Imagine if we had had only half the number of backpacks and still had the 300 people there. People would have been going, what am I here for? This is a waste of time. But we had a bunch there for them because of faith. Is it necessary? Hmm. Let's think about it. Why don't some people have faith today? Why is it that some people don't have faith? One of the reasons is because they think they don't need it. You know, I got George with me. I got my buddy George. Yeah, George is the only one who ever comes with me. Ben never wants to come with me. He's got his nose in the air or something. I don't know. Ben just never hangs out with me. I don't get it. But George, he, he, he's, he's around, you know. So when I need something, I call on George, right? I don't need, I don't need God. I can call George. And so some people think they don't need God because they have plenty of George and Abe and maybe some people get Ben's. I don't know. But it ain't me. <laughs> and, so, and so that's one of the reasons. People also have science to explain everything. Imagine 200 years ago if a doctor had said to a patient, okay, you've got heart disease. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tear your heart out of your chest. I'm going to get you another one and put it in for you. Yeah, probably not, doc. Thanks. Right? Nowadays, it happens. Science. I can depend on science to take care of me. I don't need God. Why should I have faith in God? I've got science. No need for God. Right? And we live, we live in a very cynical society today, don't we? You know, a society that just is, is programming us programming us to say, I don't believe that, you know. Some kid stands 200 yards away and tosses a football as easy as I would toss a golf ball, and suddenly it goes rocketing across the whole field, and it makes a touchdown, you know. And then you find out what? It was photoshopped. You know, you don't even believe what you see anymore. <laughs> Remember you used to say, if you see it, you believe it, right? And we'd see stuff on television. Well, I saw it on television. I know it happened. Now you see it on television, you say, ah, that's, that's, that's just Photoshop or something, you know? They just did that with CG. That's not real. We're a cynical society now. Go ahead, see if you can impress me, you know? We don't believe anything anymore. Jesus talked about one as well in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. He talked about the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choking out the Word of God. And so very often just the stuff, the constant stuff going on around us takes us away from God. Boy, if there's ever a time when fasting from, from all, the, all the things that come at us, a media fast. Do you know how hard it is for me to put my phone down sometimes? You know? Okay. <laughs> 
It's hard. You can, you can hardly put that thing down because you know somebody's going to call, somebody's going to text, somebody's going to email, somebody's going to something. And you got to keep up. You got to be there. Somebody posted on Facebook. Did you see what they posted on Facebook? Yeah. We're into all that stuff. We're into all that stuff. And the deceitfulness of riches choked out the word. And then what if I had a whole bunch of faith, you know? What if, what if I had a lot of faith? Somebody might think, oh, some kind of nutcase here, you know? What is he, some faith healer or something? Right? We get worried we're going to get classed with the wrong group, and so we, we end up with this kind of thinking. Jesus asked the question in Luke 18.8, When the Son of Man comes... Will he really find faith on the earth? Is it really there? What do we see as we look around? What does the Bible say about the need for faith? Let's think about Mark chapter 9. Turn with me, Mark chapter 9. You remember this story, Mark chapter 9. In the early part of Mark chapter 9, Jesus had gone up onto the mountain. He had been transfigured. And they came down from the mountain, right? What did he find down there? He found the other disciples, the other nine, down there with a guy who brought his son for healing. Do you remember? Brought his son to healing, for healing, to those nine disciples still down there. And pick it up in verse 17, where the father begins to explain himself. Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Notice how he begins to address Jesus. He doesn't address him as Lord, but rather just teacher, right? Little, little bit of doubt going on there perhaps, right? But he says, I brought him for healing. I brought him for healing to you. And so Jesus, as he's thinking about this guy, sees into his character and begins to probe a little more deeply, a little more deeply in verse 20. Look at verse 20. Then they brought him to him. They brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, when the boy saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now science will tell you, oh, this boy had epilepsy. We can diagnose that and treat it today. We don't need faith. Really? Is that what it was all about? Funny it should happen right at that particular moment, huh? When he saw Jesus... Funny how that happens. Oh, it's just chance. You noticed how science has made chance into a god? Anything we can't explain, it's chance. It's chance. Warren Buffett, yeah, he's a billionaire. How'd that happen? Chance. Yeah. <laughs> All right? <laughs> this is how it happens. Everything's by chance. No, I don't think so. So it immediately, the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowing, foaming at the mouth. Now, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Don't, don't, 
don't read ahead of me just for a moment. Think about Jesus for a moment. Here's this boy. He comes to him for healing. The boy immediately starts lying on the ground, convulsing, foaming at the mouth, wallowing around. And Jesus just looks at him and then turns to the father and starts having a conversation. What? How often do you notice Jesus when people are seriously in trouble, when things are seriously happening, when people are suffering? Does Jesus go, hey, wow, would you look at that? Huh. Is that the Jesus you know? Is that the Jesus you remember? And yet that's what happens in the story. Check it out. So here he's wallowing, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, then Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Did Jesus need to know that in order to heal the boy? Well, let's see if it's, you know, 10 years ago, then I need to be this strong to do. No, that's not Jesus. He starts this conversation with the father, with the boy laying there convulsing. Why didn't he heal him? Why didn't he help him right then? Right when he needed it? Because Jesus had a wider purpose. Jesus understood a bigger picture and had more to deal with than just this. Sometimes our faith is tested too, isn't it? You know what I mean? God, I have... My rent due. How, how are you going to deal with this? And God doesn't help out right away. Instead, he starts having a conversation with somebody off to the side, and we think, whoo, what happened? Do I have a dead cell connection here, or what's going on? Is that the way God works? Is God capricious, just, oh, I want to help you, I don't want to help you? You look okay, but yeah, I don't know about you. You know, is that how God works? Or is he asleep sometimes, doesn't answer his cell phone? You know? Or does he have some bigger purpose? Can we trust God? Thank you. Hoping I hadn't put you totally to sleep there. Can we trust God? Absolutely. So even when he doesn't answer our prayers right away, we know he's still there. And in fact, he's going to do more for us than we were coming just asked for. Because the father would have been happy if Jesus said, son, you are healed. He'd have gotten up and they'd have said, thank you and walked away. But the father still would have had an issue. Because the father would have still said, hey, you know that teacher back there? He helped me out. Maybe he can help you too. Maybe. What do you think the father went away saying for real later? <laughs> because let's pick up the story. How long has this been happening? And he said, from childhood, right? And then the father in verse 22. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But, oh, oh, the biggest ugly little word in the whole language. 
What is it? If. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And there was the nub of where Jesus needed to go. This man's faith needed strengthening. Do we need faith? Yes, this father needed it so much that Jesus was willing to actually, as painful as it, I think it had to have been painful to Jesus, to sit there and watch that boy wallow around. I, I can't help but think that Jesus' heart was in pain as he turned to the father and just started a casual conversation, at least as far as the father was concerned. The father must have been going nuts. Buddy, look at my son. If you're going to do something, do it. And we treat God like that sometimes too, don't we? God, if you're real, do something. Implying either A, that he's not real, or B, that he doesn't care. And maybe we just will depend whether we're going to believe in him on whether he does X for us. Is that how this works? Is God on the end of our yo-yo string? If you don't do this miracle, I might not pull you back up. Is that how it works? Is that how we treat God sometimes? I hope not, because He's here doing what's best for the Father and the father can't even see it. He's, he's stressed out. Help my son. He's thrown into the fire. He's thrown into the water. It's going to kill him. Help him. If you can. If. If. If you can help. The Bible is clear here. As Jesus speaks again. In verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, if you can believe, if you can believe, I can take care of this problem. That's the key. Are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to recognize that He is bigger than us? Are we willing to recognize that we are the ones who need to kneel before Him? Are we willing to have faith as creatures in the Creator. The Bible, again, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, says, Whatever is not from faith is sin. And then in our scripture reading for today, let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. What's the first two words of verse 3? By faith, Hebrews 11, verse 3. What's the first two words of verse 4? By faith. Verse 5. By faith. As the, each of these characters was introduced, it was by faith. And then, interestingly, he goes on to describe what the person did. <laughs> but it was by faith that they did it. Brothers and sisters, it is faith that had people bring backpacks. It was by faith. 
They said, I know the Lord is calling me to step up with a backpack. Praise God. It can be all sorts of things. God used, we talked, who was it, talked this morning about a stick, having a staff. Was that Sabbath school? I think that was Sabbath school. You missed Sabbath school, you missed it. You should be there, it was good. She talked about the difference between having a stick in my hand and a stick in Moses' hand, huh? <laughs> big difference there. A big difference. And so that's what we're talking about here. It's by faith. Maybe it's a stick. Maybe it's a backpack. And so in verse 6, Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without what? But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Wow, that's pretty harsh, don't you think? Don't you think that's pretty harsh? If I don't have faith, I can't, prove, I can't please God? Surely there's another way, right? If I work hard enough? People have been trying that for millennium, really, right? Been trying that for a long, long time. If I give enough, will that please Him? Nope, nope. If I just act right enough, that'll be good? It's about faith with those actions, right? Because each one introduced by faith and then what they did. By faith and what they did. Verse 11. I mean, uh, chapter 11, verse 7. Chapter 11, verse 7. Take a look at what it says. By faith again, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Mm, I like it. He moved. Faith moves us. Faith brings action. Faith gets us running. By faith, he moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world. So by doing what God wanted him to do, he also condemned the world. And became what? Became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. In other words, it was by faith that he was counted righteous. Not because he had built an ark. Not because he would preached for 120 years. Those were things that resulted from the faith. But it was the faith that drove those things and made him an heir of salvation. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to be saved, it's going to be by, by faith, exactly, by faith. It's not going to happen because we did something very cool. So if I do have faith, what results? If, if I do have faith, what's the potential here? What's the potential of this faith? If I'm all by myself, frankly, I'll be honest, I don't have a whole lot of potential, you know? Because it's just one little human being, right? But if it's combined with God's strength, what's the potential? 
tremendous, yeah, 300 plus guests, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Twice in Matthew, in verse, or chapter 17, verse 20, and chapter 21, verse 21, Jesus said that faith could move what? Mountains. Move mountains. Faith can move mountains. And in the story of our father there, who had the son brought to Jesus, when Jesus replied to him, Jesus said, how many things were possible to him who believes? All things, all things are possible to him who believes. Ever heard the name Hudson Taylor? Where are some of my tailors here? Where are my tailors? Oh, I see one back there. Oh, here's, here's the others. Taylor, Hudson Taylor. Anybody know who Hudson Taylor was? Hudson Taylor, not an Adventist, I guess, but a believer in the Lord, evidently, because he was a missionary to China back in the days of sailing vessels. So this guy had a serious commitment. If he's going to China, he's going to stay there for a while. All right? So they're on their way to China in this, I, I want to say sailboat. I suppose it was a ship, but I'm not sure. Where does it stop being a boat and start being a ship? Anyhow, so... He's, they're sailing along when all of a sudden the wind just sort of fizzled out on them. So how much locomotion power does such a vessel have when there's no wind? Zero, right? And so he's sitting there dead in the water and the boat just starts to start, sort of starts to drift with the current. And it starts drifting up to this island where there are known cannibals. <laughs> and they see guys starting to gather on the shore, licking their lips, you know? <laughs> and they're thinking, this doesn't look good. And so the captain of the ship comes up to, comes up to Hudson Taylor and says, buddy, you better start praying if you want to get to China, right? And so Hudson looks back at the captain and says, I'll start praying when you put the sails up. And the captain's going, what are you, nuts? I'm, I'm, I'm ad-libbing here a little, as you might guess. But this was the attitude. Why should I put up the sails when there's no wind, right? Why should I put up the sails? I'm not going to be looked, like, looked on as a fool by my crew and the passengers by putting up the sails when there's nothing to catch. All right? Unless you put up the sails, I'm not praying. The sails went up. Hudson Taylor went to his cabin, started praying. Shortly afterwards, are you praying for wind? came the question through the door. From the inside, Hudson says, Yes! From outside, the captain's voice says, Please stop! We've got all the wind we can handle. Brothers and sisters, we've got to put up the sails. We cannot just allow ourselves to say, Oh yes, I have faith. Let's see it then. Well, I have faith, yeah. When it starts happening, then I'll, then I'll jump on board. No. We need to put up the sails first. 
That's how we need to make it happen. I'm not looking for tons of wind in Lakeland. I'm not even looking for dancing mountains. I'm looking for running people. People on the move. I'm looking for things to happen in hearts. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, as you recall, is after the resurrection. A couple of disciples were on the road to some little town. Perhaps you've heard of it. Emmaus. And they were joined by someone. And that someone was Jesus. Absolutely. That someone was Jesus who talked to them about the Messiah and what would happen. And in verse 32, let's pick it up. In verse 32, Jesus has disappeared. And in verse 32 it says, And they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? Brothers and sisters, faith can make our hearts burn because we have God moving in our hearts. It's not the faith itself, obviously. It's God moving in our hearts, but it's the faith that opens the door. Well, why should I open the door before there's any fire there? Brothers and sisters, why put up the sail before there's any wind? Some people look at the church like that and they say, Oh, why should I have any hope for the church? We've been here for a hundred and some years. Everything's the same. We just keep going and going. Let's put up the sails. Let's get some backpacks. Let's open the doors. Gobs of people might rush in if we're there ready to go. And so, did not our hearts burn within us? And then, verse 33, this burning in their hearts compelled them. Look at verse 33. So they rose up that very hour. They had just spent all day walking back from Jerusalem. Most of a day, anyhow. And now the day was mostly gone. That's why they sat down to eat with Jesus the evening meal. And then that very hour, they rose and did what? Returned to Jerusalem. I like to think they ran back to Jerusalem. Can you imagine if you went out to your car and on your way to the car, somebody, maybe your car's parked a little ways away, okay? And somebody <laughs> appeared to you and started explaining scripture to you and you realized it was Jesus. How long would it take you to sprint back up here and tell the rest of us? I hope you don't take very long because I want to hear about it. (laughs) 
It's not going to be long. I think those guys were so excited. They were, I'll bet, I'll bet they had, I'll bet, I'll bet they, they, they tripped over some rocks and stuff on the way, probably had skinned knees, but they didn't even think about it. Because they were on their way with a message, with a mission, with the faith of Jesus in their hearts. Faith of Jesus. Ever heard that, that little phrase somewhere before? Hmm, wonder where people with a message might have the faith of Jesus. I don't know, just, just me maybe. <laughs> right? And so these people were running, running back to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. Faith has the potential to make people run. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And so this week, I want to think about where we're going with this this week. First thing we need to do this week is have our hearts burning within us, brothers and sisters. And so I invite you this week first to spend some time near the fire. You know what I mean? Spend some time with the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Spend time in the fire if you want to set your heart on fire, right? So we need to spend time on fire with the Lord. Next, we need to make things right with others because before the Holy Spirit came on that group of disciples and made the whole world turn upside down because of what God was able to do through them by faith, right? They had to spend some time making things right with one another. They had to make things right with one another. The disciples gathered together in that upper room there in Jerusalem and they made things right. And third, they came together and prayed. This week, spend time with the fire. Spend time with the fire. And secondly, maybe this week, make some phone calls. Make some phone calls this week if the Lord impresses you. Make some phone calls. Hello, Joe? I got something difficult to say. I've had this attitude problem with you. And I want to make it right. What will that do in Joe's heart, man? All kinds of good stuff. All kinds of good stuff. And then next week, starting a week from tomorrow, we have our week of prayer. I need faith-filled people to fill this church. Because there are lots of stories, like we've heard today. Lots of stories of what God is doing right among these people right here sitting with you. You saw it in the ad there. Yao, how are you doing today, buddy? There's Yao. How many of you know who Yao is? Raise your hand again. Raise your hand, Yao. That's Yao. Yao's going to tell his story this week, too, coming up. Lots of people have stories of faith, stories of how God is moving in their lives, stories to tell 
of God moving in their lives. And I've seen that when God gets moving in our lives, we get moving <laughs> in the life of our community. So, this week, three things. Spend some time with the fire. Make things right. And then get ready to come together Ooh, for a week of prayer. It's going to be awesome.